Welcome to episode 43 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It is February 17th. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Good evening. Tonight, we're going to talk a cornucopia of nerd-related items, including the new RoboCop, Star Wars Rebels. We may even get into a little bit of what you've been reading. We're going to talk some Gotham TV show. Lots of stuff in store for us tonight. But before we get to that stuff, we do housekeeping stuff with Ian Sharpley. Housekeeping type things. You can always find our written thoughts about the cornucopia uh, of comic books, film, movies at McSauce.com. Check out our reviews on the comics on Mondays and Thursdays, strips on Tuesdays and Fridays, and this wonderful podcast on Wednesdays. You can go to the Facebook page, send some feedback, let us know what you think, tell us how wonderful we are. You can also go to iTunes, download the podcast, it'll come straight to your mobile device, all for free, if you hit subscribe. You can also get us on Podomatic and Stitcher Radio, and... Uh, as always, if you're in the iTunes store, please rate and review us. I went there yesterday, and I was very sad because we haven't gotten a review or rate in a very long time. So it. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, can somebody please give us one stinking review? A good review, but a stinking review. Five stars. This week, come on. That's your task. For those I of you who haven't you. gone there. For those of you listening, I will trade you an hour and 45 minutes of comic book related geek goodness for one stinking review. Oh, that's a good deal. That is a good deal. You can't get deal. that anywhere. No. Only on the McSauce podcast. And while you're there rating our show, you like comic books? Give bad reviews to the other shows. Don't do that. <laughs> Give a good review to that old comic smell. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with Jody. They can get four stars. We'll get five stars. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Give them four stars. That's a good idea. That's 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 good enough, but not as good as us. <laughs> right, right. So give Jody and the gang four stars. Jody hooked me up with a free code for She-Hulk number one. Nice. So I'd like to thank Jody for doing that for me. And uh, you can find them the same places you can find us, Pod, Podomatic. Stitcher Radio and iTunes. So that old comic book smell. Um, they talk about wrestling a lot, so they could be that old wrestling smell. They talk about old department Somehow stores. Somehow that sounds dirtier, like that old wrestling smell. <laughs> like it's Hulk Hogan's old jock strap or something. They're pretty familiar with that rather, kind of stuff. And wouldn't you rather smell a nice old comic book instead of the Iron Sheik's crotch? It depends on what you're into, so That's true. if you get freaky, that old comic <sighs> smell. But tonight, we're not going to be talking about Hulk Hogan's crotch, or the Iron Sheik for that matter. We're going to get into some Star Wars, <clears throat> some Gotham. I read a couple of comic books that are in the headlines, not just the comic book headlines, but there are some reviews on USA Today, Variety... Salon.com about the new Miss Marvel as well as uh, She-Hawk that I talked about earlier. So we'll get into some of that. Um, a lot of good stuff today. 
cornucopia, as we said. So, where would we like to start, guys? I Matt, would... we like we like you to start us off, get us on a good foot. We had we had kind of sort of grand plans of getting together and going to see RoboCop, but anytime we have plans to all all of us go see a movie, those get dashed somehow. So Matt was our lone representative this well, week. Let's be honest for to a see minute. RoboCop. Let's let's you know actually tell it like it is. Matt is always the one that goes to the movie and has to come back and report on how things were. I'm still curious how that McSauce field trip went for Jaws that we also were going to go to. I still have yet to see Jaws. One representative. Guess who it was? Uh, Dominic Yossi. It might have been. It might have been. But it was also me. So, RoboCop. RoboCop circa 2014 came out this weekend. Uh, RoboCop, while not truly with its origins in comic books, there's no question that its influences, um, that its inspiration does come from comic books as well as other current events, things of that nature. Um, the original RoboCop came out in 1987. It was, uh, I believe it was a pretty huge success um, because it had great action, had humor, uh, Timely satire, and uh, say timely satire. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the timely satire. And it also had uh, some really good special effects, especially for the uh, the time that it came out. Everything from the uh, traditional special effects, you know, blood and guts, to what they were able to do with um, <clears throat> just some of the sound effects mixed with Peter Weller's. Um, really convincing acting chops. I mean, he's nothing short of a of modern-day Anthony Daniels acting like a robot with his herky-jerky movements, and you mix that with, like, gears and sound effects like that and those suction cup stomping sounds that he made. It's totally viable. Wouldn't Anthony Daniels be the modern-day Anthony Daniels? I guess he would be. He looks no different than he did... 30 years ago. It's that fountain of youth. However, Peter Weller, based on uh, Star Trek II, does look a lot different than he did 30 years ago. Or in 1987, which would be, what, (laughs) almost 30 years ago. We don't do math on the McSauce (laughs) comic book podcast. We certainly don't. So, um, personally, I'm a huge fan of RoboCop. The original RoboCop, directed by... Peter Verhoeven also directed everybody's favorite showgirls, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, which sadly was remade into a steaming pile of donkey shit earlier. Did you see that? No, but that's just what I read. Am I right? It wasn't. I didn't see it. It was. I have it. I'll bring it over so you can borrow it. Okay. It's not a steaming pile of donkey shit. So it's more like it's been settled for a little while. Is it shit? But regardless, regardless if it is, we on the McSauce podcast don't like to just hate things for no reason. We don't like to be like the internet haters. So maybe you should give the new Total Recall and Colin Farrell and Jessica Biel a chance. You got me there. Forgive me, I may be a Total Recall apologist. Had you been sitting on this just waiting to pounce? No, this like is this is, this is off the cuff. Now, um, 
from what I can tell you, I have read some detailed reviews of the movie comparing it to the original Total Recall. And from what I read, it sounded really bad. So I was basing my opinion on something other than the fact that I don't like Colin Farrell's unibrow. But you're a big fan of the original Robocop. I am a big fan of the original <clears throat> There are massive Robocop, changes yeah. in that movie. They don't go to Mars. There, there are oh, a lot wait, wait. of things that they... Well, I think we're bouncing around. I'm a big fan of the original Total Recall mm-hmm. and a big fan of the original Robocop. Back to Total Recall for a me. second. I was like, when did they go to Mars and Robocop? That's okay. Oh, really? Ian was still... I, I was, I was at was Total, Total Recall. Recall. I thought that's what we were still talking about. So, but, okay. Wouldn't that be awesome? You were saying big changes. Uh, big changes. Don't think that it was. It wasn't poorly acted. The uh, computer graphics were fine. If you really love the original Total Recall, I could see having a problem with it. I'm not that invested in the original movie. It was fine. It was worth watching. I'll bring it. Okay. So the um, I was a little skeptical going into RoboCop. 2014. Uh, I knew that it wasn't going to have the same kind of satire that the uh, the new one. You getting all your shit thrown away there, Paul? It didn't have the. Uh, we're you know we're 25 years removed from the original, so the the themes, the things that it's trying to kind of make commentary on, weren't going to be the same. So it just wasn't going to have that same vibe. Plus, hey. This thing was rated PG-13, so you automatically know that you're not going to get the -the over-the-top violence. Paul, can you sit still, buddy? (laughs) The original RoboCop, wasn't it originally an X-rated movie for the -the over-the-top violence? It was. Movies of that ilk back then were given the X rating because they were... They had too much gratuitous nudity, too many boobs in your face. Nothing wrong with that. It is if you're trying to get an R rating instead of an X, but RoboCop was special. It managed to get an X rating based on its over-the-top violence. It had very subtle use of boobage in that movie. Was there any? Uh, I believe there was a little bit uh, in, the, in the multi-gender locker room sequence in the beginning that I probably paused a few times when I was eight years old. Probably. Well... I'm pretty sure the evidence is in the worn-out tape, so, in that particular scene. But anyway, uh, the the new one is rated PG-13, so I knew we weren't going to get any of this trademark violence, which kind of turned me off, because I was really looking forward to that. So when I found out it was rated PG-13, I was like, my expectations went down for this movie. And my excitement, really. But, um... I still knew I was going to see it. I mean, it still looked like they were going to try to be somewhat faithful to the uh, original source material. So, Saturday night rolls around. I go to the theater. They ask me, do you want the um, the special eight, $8 extra seats that vibrate and move and shit? Where'd you go? Cinemark. Okay. Yeah, they have those at Cinemark at the, at the mills. Okay. Um, and I didn't hesitate. I was like, absolutely, yes. Do they just vibrate? Do they turn? They, 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 they tilt uh, slightly to the left and the right, forward, backwards, uh, and they vibrate. And mm-hmm. there's different levels of it, and you can, like, adjust hot, like, 
there's four settings, and you can turn it off too. Um, so you can have just a little bit, just a little bit more than a little bit, me like medium, and then full blown like vibration. You know, seems a little excessive. Yeah, that's what I did. I I went with full blown like rock you out of your seat vibration. Um, plaid. I went to plaid. Yes. And I gotta tell you, it was pretty cool. I thought it was... I, I can't say that it was immersive because sometimes I would be, like, so excited that it was happening that it kind of pulled me out of the movie. But whatever. It was still really fun. And I had never experienced that before. But it was funny because in the beginning of the movie, they have the big uh, two-legged walking robots, the Ed 209s, and they're moving. And they're, like... Every time they would take a step, you would, like, your seat would vibrate, but it felt like some asshole was kicking my seat. So, like, I felt on the back of my seat a few times, and I was, like, this close to turning around being like, dude, keep your feet to yourself. And I'm glad that I didn't, because that was just Ed 209. Wow. How many altercations are these seats going to cause? I, I was good. By the end of the movie, I was like, okay, nobody's kicking my seat. This is... I paid for this, $8. And it doesn't do it at, can. like, inopportune times, like RoboCop's <laughs> drinking coffee and it's, like, tilting you forward No, and stuff. it seems like it makes sense for an action movie. The gunshots, and there's a lot of gunshots in RoboCop, that the, it vibrates, or if it's a single shot, it'll just, like, give you a jolt. Um, it, it, whenever he's on the motorcycle, that's, he has a motorcycle in the movie, he doesn't, not so, and by the way, people, spoilers, um... I'm going to spoil shit here, maybe. So beware. But uh, when he's on the motorcycle, your seat will kind of tilt to the left or the right. That's I thought that cool. was really cool. Um, it was fun. It was really cool. It was a nice little touch. Way better than like what the gimmick the 3D is. I'll take this gimmick over 3D any day. Because the 3D gimmick <laughs> doesn't really work. Not really, No. I've only seen a handful of 3D movies. I'm excited to do this seat thing, though. I was a little bit like, when they told me, well, it's eight extra dollars. Like, I didn't hesitate. I was, I think before she could even finish the word dollars, I was like, yes. You, like, threw your wallet and hit her yes. in the lips with it. Like, right. just take it. Uh, and then I thought, man, that was eight extra bucks. I, wonder, I hope this is worth it, but yeah. you gotta try it. So you, you paid about $18 for this movie ticket? Yeah, don't worry about it. You know what? Big fan of RoboCop. So, um, yeah, I wanted to support the movie, which sadly did not do that well. No. This weekend. It came in at number three behind the Lego movie. And oh, the Lego movie. Come on. And uh, is it the, the Zac Efron movie? That Awkward Moment? Really? Is it That Awkward Moment? Something with an equally horrible title. Is it, it Winter's Tale? No, that was like, that was a huge flop. Is it Ride Along? Because I want to see Ride Along. No, it wasn't Ride Along. I love me a good black comedy. <laughs> Ride Along does look pretty good. So, uh, RoboCop, back to RoboCop. I was pleasantly surprised and pleasantly, uh, well, I guess just surprised by this movie. It was, I had fairly low expectations for it. Does Abby Cornish show her tits? No. Okay. No. There's no. no tit showing in this movie at all. Now, for those who haven't been listening, why were you apprehensive about this movie 
But like I said, the, I knew going in that there were a lot of things that this was not going to have that the original had that I liked, particularly the over-the-top violence. I wasn't a big fan of his look. They made him black in in what? this new movie. I'm there. Oh, who's the racist now? Yeah, yeah. I like the white Robocop. How long was he black? Was it most of the time? Was it half of the time? When should I walk into the theater? (laughs) He starts out um, his traditional silver color. uh, And then um, it gets into... Is they're still kind of tweaking him and making... Because the whole building process was much more elaborate. And they uh, had different... um, Characters that were kind of like representations of other characters from the original movie or broken into multiple characters. Like, for example, the Bob Morton character in the original was kind of like a mix between who Michael Keaton was and also who Gary Oldman was. It was sort of a, an amalgam. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob Morton a, would be an amalgam. Of those a disamalgam. Or a... Yeah, a disamalgam. A separation. And... And it worked. Um, Gary Oldman might have been the best part of the movie. He was so freaking good in it. Uh, like he is in pretty much everything. I mean, have you ever seen Gary Oldman in something and been like, he was terrible? Like, that's never happened. No. Oh, it's that Exorcist movie where he plays the priest. Was he bad in it, though? I don't think he was good. I didn't see it. I can't. If we can't remember it. it clearly, it wasn't a memorable performance. So, uh, so those are some of the things that I was like a little, yeah, I don't know. But overall, surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. And, I, and, and some of the things that it did really well that the original uh, didn't really get into as much was uh, some of the moral issues. Um, th- this movie was a bit talkier than I thought it was going to be. Um, they really played up some of the ethical and moral issues about turning a man into a, a cyborg um, because he actually retained his humanity in the beginning whereas in the original Robocop he was pretty much just a robot um, but the original Robocop was kind of the reverse of what the remake was because he originally has his humanity but then they determined that he isn't perfect enough so they kind of tweak his brain and everything until he loses his humanity and becomes more robotic until somehow, whether it's his soul or whatever you want to believe, starts to override the system and he starts to regain his humanity very much the way the thing did in the original. That's interesting. But they added kind of that like step where he had it, then lost it, then got it back. Uh, and also, his wife was more on board with this whole thing. Whereas in the original, he was police property. He was technically dead. In this, he was never really dead. And she did this as a measure to save his life. So, I think he got into a much more like ethical kind of debate. Uh, the satire of this film comes in with... Um, the, the, the current event is, should we have uh, drones like... Um, like on American soil, you know, is that okay? Uh, in the in the context of the movie, they have them all over the world. They're used as kind of a police force um, or a military force, but for whatever reason, legislation can't be passed to allow them in the United States. So, um, 
you have Samuel L. Jackson's character who was stick around for the ending of the movie because he has a sequence at the end of the movie that is like like post credits no no it's at the very end of the movie not not post credits um let's just say he gets a little angry and it's funny and uh but he has this talk show very akin to the um to the way like a lot of the TV segments were in the original he's got this like seems like kind of uber conservative style show where he's very pro let's have droids let's have drones in the United States they'll protect everybody and everybody will be safer um very like Sean Hannity kind of uh character and he's very pro that uh where they were trying to make the argument though that you need something with like a soul something that knows the difference between right and wrong so this wasn't used like as a loophole to get it in there or no, that, it was, was that That's exactly okay. yeah. what it was used as they decided we're going to put a man in the machine so that way it will give the american people what they want the tide will turn for this legislation to be passed and then once that happens i think ocp the the head corporation uh in the movie and in the original is going to probably just start putting drones out there like they want to do um but uh i don't know if i want to say a whole lot more about the movie because uh, then you guys have no reason to see it but uh, good action. There, there's a really memorable action sequence in it. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't at the end. Um, the end did kind of not have a very exciting climax, but there is a very cool no action. No one likes a not exciting climax. That's right. Uh, it did have a very um, memorable action sequence where it was like a dark corridor, and um, it would basically was like lit up with gunfire. It was very artistically done. It was really cool. Um and if you're like me, racist, and didn't like the black <laughs> RoboCop uh, and preferred the silver original, uh, you'll be happy to know that um, by the end of the movie, he's got some silver going on. I think black is overrated. I didn't like the late 90s, early 2000s pushed by most NHL teams to introduce a black jersey, even <laughs> though black has never been part of their colors. All of a sudden, they had a black third jersey. Agreed. So, no. I also didn't like the black RoboCop. It's weird that Team Canada in this year's it, Olympics is wearing a lot of black as well. I fucking hate that Team Canada has introduced black into their whole Color scheme. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should just be red and white. I was That's completely it. over him being black in the movie. Didn't bother me after a while. Very cool costume design, by the way. Also... He, his sound effects were different. They were, like, more gear-like. Um, what you might expect, like, robotics to sound like. It sounded very good, very real. He had, like, some cool LED lights on him that made him look robotic. Looked great. And it didn't bother me to, that he was black until they went at the um, at the end of the movie and went ahead and made him silver again. Because he started out silver and then Michael Keaton's character's like, well, maybe we can... You know, people don't really even know what they want until you give it to them. So let, let's make them black. And that's how I ended up being black. But um, one other thing I want to mention. Um, this movie may have been more emotionally driven also than the original. Because there is a, at least I felt, a fairly disturbing sequence where he first wakes up and he's 
doesn't understand what's happening, and he basically tells the doctor, "Show me what's what what's happened. Show me, show me what survived." So they start taking him apart, like his arm comes off, and his legs come off, and his chest comes off, and truly all that's left of this man is a head, and his like lungs are in some kind of like apparatus to keep them breathing. Oh wow! And his hand. That's all that's left. And he sees it, and he, like, breaks down. He wow. can't even believe it. And Why just, would they keep his hand? That seems like a random little Yeah, I, I think it has something to do with, in the original, they were able to save the arm, and then Bob Morton was like, no, we said full prosthesis replacement or whatever, lose the, lose the arm. Um, I don't know if this was somehow in reference to that. I'm not really sure, but... Uh, I guess, you know, they kept whatever they could. That was the premise. But anyway, I got to say, this movie was very, very good. Um, I would have come out giving it about a 7, but I saw it Saturday night, and I really haven't stopped thinking about it. Um, so I might bump it up to an 8. Uh, Get in into that Thor in the time, Dark World territory. In time, might go back down to a 7. I see big things for a sequel. What this movie lacked was a strong villain... And the soundtrack was kind of shitty, although you have a nice little intro where he's still like a human and he's a cop and some shit goes down in the beginning, and then you kick off the opening credits and you can hear the music swelling. And you're like, if you're like me and know the original, you're like, oh my god, that's that's the original theme. And then big across the screen in like the, the RoboCop logo, it says RoboCop, and then the theme song just totally kicks in. And yes, I came in my pants. See, while Matt was at the theater watching RoboCop Saturday night, I was cozy on the couch watching Les Miserables Saturday night. How was that? If there was any dialogue that wasn't singing, I think I really would have liked it. But it's everything is singing. Everything is singing. I'm going much. over here. Yeah, it's just too much, too much singing, and I can get down with some musicals. I'm no, you know, I'm a, always been a big fan of West Side Story, but almost too much singing. And I'm a big Anne Hathaway fan, and if you go into that movie to watch Anne Hathaway, you're gonna be pissed because she's only in it for about ten minutes. Yeah. It's pretty much the the Hugh Jackman show. Didn't she win an Oscar for that? Yeah, she did. She had a How fantastic, an Oscar for fantastic ten minutes. Ten minutes. Uh, but uh, Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman, really good. Hugh Jackman, like like Justin Timberlake, he can really do it all. Triple threat guy. <clears throat> Sing, dance, act. Can he dance? I'm sure he can. So you're just ju- you're just assuming he can. No, he's been really in, having seen. He's been in Broadway dance. musicals before. He's which one did you he see? Can move. I didn't see any of them, oh. but he's done. He's done dancing. Was before. Australia also a musical? I would imagine that. No. 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 Thank you, Ginger. Ginger also gives see, that movie a thumbs. I didn't uh, see Australia. Lay Miz a thumbs I, down. I so we couldn't. So Matt and I couldn't have seen. Sort of more opposite movies on Saturday night. Right. I'm glad you liked Robocop. I didn't think it was going to live up to your expectations, being that you're such a big fan of the first one. Yeah, I'm excited to see it now from this review. What what I will say, I did not like it as much as I liked the original. Um, It somewhat solidifies my feelings on the original. But it, 
it gave me a lot of what I was afraid I wasn't even going to get, particularly like with the social commentary. But it um, obviously it didn't give us the violence. Maybe there's going to be a director's cut when it comes to DVD, like they do for some of these movies where they give them an R rating. Yeah. Um, hopefully. But yeah, go see it, guys. I'd recommend it. So Ian, it's a thinker. Well, Matt and I were watching movies Saturday night. Were you reading comic books? Not Saturday night, but Sunday. Saturday night, I was recording a podcast. But Sunday evening, I read two different books that have spent a lot of time in the news. She-Hulk number one. You mean Hawkeye two? <laughs> T-O-O, Hawkeye also? And Miss Marvel number one as well. No offense to Charles Soule, who writes She-Hulk, because I like Charles Soule's work, but... As soon as, like, all of the promos that I've seen for She-Hulk 2 scream, hey, we have this cool little weird thing going on with Hawkeye. Maybe we can branch this out and do another character with it. And Javier Polito, the guy on She-Hulk, even did a bunch of issues of Hawkeye. So it seems like Marvel trying to cash in on a positive seller at the time being. It is. Part of me doesn't want to be upset with Marvel for doing that. And actually, all of me isn't upset with them. We we sit here all the time and we talk about how Marvel doesn't take chances. Marvel doesn't do anything. Marvel plays it safe. It does its street-level heroes right down the line. And it doesn't do anything funky or weird. These, you know, you throw Hawkeye in there. These three books are completely different. They're superheroes taking a different path. Well, Ms. Marvel's not Hawkeye-style, right? It's a little bit. Is it? It's a little bit. It's um, it, it's not in that same retro style of artwork, but the story kind of goes along with not your typical superhero capes and tights thing. Uh, Miss Marvel. It's it's is it, like is it a Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. It's little indie style. It's 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 trying to capture some of that, like uh, maybe. More of like an image book, I'd say. Um, That's interested. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I read a review after I read the book, and it described it as great young adult fiction. Which I'm not necessarily sure that that's something that I want for my comic books. Maybe somebody else is interested in a book that's similar to, I don't know, uh, Twilight or something like that that hits that tween demographic it's not something that i'm super interested in it was also um compared to precious in this review and that's also another work of fiction that i really have nothing i thought that was based on a true story for uh precious maybe it was i mean it's it's another story that i'm not all that interested in the reason why they compare it to precious is because it's about a teenage girl Feels really isolated because of her upbringing. Uh, the, the main character is uh, Kamala. Where's the habit right here? Um, Show notes. Kamala Khan. She's Pakistani from New Jersey or Jersey City. Um, she probably knows um, Simon Baz. Could be. Could be. A lot of themes of religion and not fitting in racism 
things that the X-Men hit on, but this book just smashes you over the head with these themes of, you know, cultural difference and intolerance. It just, it's every single panel says something about, well, I don't fit in, or I can't have that to eat because it's in, it's not in my diet, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I'm so different. I mean, it's every panel. Whereas X-Men, maybe I'm just jaded, but X-Men doesn't feel like it goes over the top with that in every single every single avenue, that, in every chance that it gets to do that. It's great being a white male in America, I gotta tell you. I, one thing that I would... That I would be mad if I was a blonde, white teenage girl. I'd be mad about the way that that particular stereotype is represented as the villain a lot of times. That, that's what's going on in this book real intolerant cheerleader type that would piss me off if that's who i was i wouldn't be too happy with being the bad guy yeah, in that fashion you know, and i listen i listen to greg proops podcast every week mm-hmm. and every week he just beats up on white males in america like he's so he's so pro lesbians and lgbtq and women and all this stuff and that's great but he just hammers white males. And I'm like, I'm, I'm that demographic. <laughs> it's, it's like he's just beating up on me every week. And I'm not, you know, I'm not in the that 1% that he's really beating up on. Yeah. But, yeah, I can probably, I could probably relate to those blonde cheerleaders that are getting a raw deal in Ms. Marvel. I kind of thought about you as, as I was reading this book. And I was like, oh, man, you know, they're really... I, I appreciate where they're coming from, but it it seems really, really uh, blatant and out there. There's no subtlety in this book. Um, Marvel hates white folk. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> when I think about the way that they introduced Miles uh, Morales in Ultimate Spider-Man, they didn't really bring up his race all like this. It was a character. He was black. But I don't think they really touched on any of that stuff until a couple of issues later in the run where they started comparing him and Peter Parker and they brought some of that up. But it wasn't the main driving force. He just happened to be – those were his traits. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't in your face. Yeah, the main – the Simon Baz, the Arabic Green Lantern from Earth, his, his um, introductory story was – you know he gets the ring, but at the same time, he gets detained by uh, he gets detained by police because they're racial profiling because they mistake him for someone that you know had set a, a van on fire, had like a bomb in a van, and it was it was that kind of thing where it's not like okay here's our character and he happens to be Arabic, it's like this is an Arabic character and he's also a Green Lantern. Yeah. And I'd have preferred them, like, I th- I would have related more to it if it was like, hey, here's, here's, this is just a character, he's a new guy, he's the new Green Lantern, here you go. But instead, they really hammer you with all the, this guy is, he's so different, he just doesn't fit in type stuff. There are a couple of good things about this book. The artwork is beautiful, while it isn't a capes and tights superhero story yeah, with I, a lot of dynamic um, attributes. It's really pretty. It I looks nice. I it at the shop and it looked, it looked pretty good. I thought about getting it, but 
but now that now that I hear the sauce review, I'm kind of okay that I did. I picked it up as well. I've not read it yet, though. Wait, wait. Does she have blonde hair at the end? Spoiler alert. Is that part of the Ms. Marvel power? You get blonde hair? I would And she's white. So I would imagine that there's going to be something that comes of this next issue. Now, while I didn't go along and like a ton of this, I'll probably hang in there for a little bit just to see what it's like. My favorite part... Of, Who's, that's Charles Soule, right? This is not Charles Soule. This is no, G, Charles Soule's She-Hulk. She-Hulk. I like the letter sections. It's Who is this? Paula at Kamala. The writer of this book is... G. Willow Wilson, I believe. Let me go to the title page. Hmm. G. Willow Wilson is the writer. And Adrian Alfana, Alfana is the artist. Easy for you to say. Yeah. So, I, I wish it was a little more subtle. I can see where some teenage girls might get into this and be really excited that they have an even quirkier hero to get behind wasn't really my cup of tea She-Hulk kind of similar I didn't really enjoy the the art style from She-Hulk it was um, Javier Polito Polito that um, he's done work on Robin uh, Robin Year One which was really good but here it feels like he's trying to copy Mike Allred's style and he's not really doing a great job of it the I'm familiar with Javier Polito's work and a handful of Hawkeye issues, and it's like he's trying to be um, who's the regular guy on Hawkeye, David Asia. Like he's a cross between David Asia and Mike Allred, and he's not as good as either one. So I'm immediately turned off by the She-Hulk artwork because his his issues of Hawkeye were just weak. Come, like David Asia is a fucking artist, but this guy, it's really. Like, he's trying to bite off Mike Allred, but Mike Allred has a particular... He, Mike well, Allred just knows what's up. Yeah, I can get behind Mike Allred's artwork, but this to is me, just a cheap knockoff. To me, it looks like Allred meets Darwin Cook. Really? Yeah. yeah. I can, I'll, I'll give you that. But he's not as good as Mike Allred or Darwin Cook. Who's better, Mike Allred or Darwin Cook? I um, like Darwin Cook way better. I like Darwin Cook way better. I think that, I think that just comes down to style, though. Yeah, it right. just comes down preference. to preference. Personal right. preference. I love Darwin Cook. I think I'm going Mike Allred. Is that surprising? It, it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> the She-Hulk book, well, also... Oh, oh, uh-oh. Maybe we'll get into that later. Pizza break, folks.
Welcome back, McSauceCasters. We're back from a long overdue pizza break, which was actually sub-break. So how are your subs, gentlemen? Very good. I had an Italian. Half of an Italian. Oh, just a half. Just a half. We're keeping score. Skinny mini over here. Matt, how was your sub? It was very good. It was also a half of an Italian. Ooh, skinny mini. Wow, I had an entire chicken habanero because it was too delicious to put down. Was that the first time you've had the chicken habanero? No, I've had it before. Okay. Oh, wait, you ate like half of mine once. No, I got I got my own. Okay. I got my own, but um, it's really hot. Sweating it out. I feel like out. I'm going to be having some, uh, <sighs> some issues the second half. It's really hot. Yeah. pretty hot. Yeah. It, it kind of gets you. It affects you. So thank you to Domino's for all the lovely food that we paid for. So over the last week, uh, the Gotham TV show has really kicked into casting gear. It seems like every day there's new casting being announced. And when does this show premiere? This fall. Okay. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, pilot is fast-tracked. Um, the majority of the castings for the Penguin, for Sarah Essen, and Alfred, um, like, I don't know any of those people. They're not recognizable actors Alfred is, uh, Bruce Wayne's butler. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. But, uh, Sean Pertwee, the actor who's playing Alfred. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know who that isn't is. Isn't recognizable. <clears throat> but I heard today that he's the son of one of the Doctor Who doctors. Well, that's really important. Yeah, but um, he looks like he looks like a badass. I don't think we're gonna get uh, Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. Alfred anymore. I think in movies and TV, we're gonna get the old MI6 grizzled veteran Alfred, who's more than capable of kicking some ass along with making Bruce a sandwich. Hmm. But uh, the two biggest castings were. Gordon and the introduction of Harvey Bullock, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, they cast Donald Logue as Harvey Bullock. We should all know Donald Logue from uh, that sitcom he was on. He, more recently and more famously, was a uh, retired FBI agent on Sons of Anarchy. Mm. See, I never watched Sons of Anarchy. I don't know if you'd like it. I don't know if I'd like it either. My brother's a big Sons of Anarchy yeah. guy. I like Ron Perlman. He's but didn't good. they just kill him or something? Um, I haven't watched it in a while, so... <clears throat> See if... I'm behind on my episodes. I would go into Sons of Anarchy mean, expecting a lot of Ron Perlman, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's some other guy with white sneakers who's the main guy. Ron Perlman's in it a lot. He starts off as the head of the motorcycle gang, and then... As you would want to have in, you know, crime drama, he gets dethroned. Yeah. But he's in it a good amount, so you'd probably like the first, at least how much he's in it. You would hate the show. Cause I'm, curious, you don't like, I'm curious to watch it now. You, you don't like crime stuff? You don't like... I loved Dexter. That's right not really crime. Season. But Dexter's no. not really crime. Is he not a uh, blood analyst? For it's, the Miami Metro PD? He certainly is, but it's not like an organized crime thing. It's not a mobsters or a gang or 
motorcycle gang in this case. I, it's true, I don't like There's monsters. a different dynamic between that and... Or gangs, unless you're the Sharks or the Jets. <clears throat> which you do like. As was mentioned earlier. Maybe I'd eat my words then if you're into such hardcore stuff as West Side Story. <laughs> well, cl- clearly there are parallels between West Side Story and Sons of Anarchy. Clearly. I know Donald Logue best from Grounded for Life and Blade, and you know he's just been in a, a ton of stuff. But I think it's a it's a pretty cool casting for uh, Harvey Bullock because he looks the part. And one of the things I'm happy about with the Gotham casting is that we've been getting so many off the mark castings for Man of Steel two, Batman Superman, whatever this movie's gonna be, like castings that just make us scratch our heads. That bringing in someone like Donald Logue to play Harvey Bullock feels like a natural fit. It feels like the, you know, had they brought in Gina Carano for Wonder Woman, you'd have been like, oh, yeah, that fits perfect. But instead they're like, we're going to get this teeny tiny girl to play Wonder Woman. So I like Donald Logue. Matt, what are your thoughts on Donald Logue? Uh, I liked him in The Patriot. Actually, no, I really didn't like him in The Patriot, but he was in The Patriot. Correct. Um, I did not like him in Super Villains, the movie, uh, direct to VHS or DVD or whatever it, it probably was. should have been. I think I watched half of it until I couldn't take it any longer. Um, he played a comic book collector that thought he was so cool that he walked around in his bathrobe all day and sucked on a pipe. Hmm. I don't I never know. saw that either. <clears throat> no. Um, isn't that what it was called? Or is it called Comic Book Villains? I don't remember, but something villains. Um, How do you feel about Harvey Bull? He was also uh, Max Payne's partner in the uh, in the well-known Marky Mark movie, Max Payne. Mm. I really wish there Timeless was... Timeless classic. More to Max Payne. I do thought it was... Really? I, th- I thought it was going to be darker. and like the source uh, material? Yeah. Not that I'm super familiar with the source material, but um, from what I've heard, they strayed away from it. I think that the source material would have made a better film. They had a very cool look visually. Yeah. Um, but that only took it so far. I mean, Mark Wahlberg was absolute wallpaper in the movie. He was just there. Because... Um, it kind of was like presented in the trailers like a heaven and hell battle, but it turned out that people were just high or something like that. Mm. So, didn't really like that all so, that much. My thoughts on uh, what's his name? D- Harvey Bullock? No. Donald Logue? Donald. Donald. D O N A L. Donald. Okay. Donald Logue doesn't really strike me as a Harvey Dent. And Harvey Bullock or Harvey Bullock? No, big gruff guy, smokes a stove. I think as a young Harvey Bullock, maybe possibly. But do you do you know how old Donald Logue is? He's forty-seven. And you think Harvey Bullock in the animated series in the context, is younger than forty-seven? In the context of the Gotham TV show, he would have to be younger than the Bullock that we are familiar <clears throat> with. Oh yeah, we're they're clearly not doing. I think that's one of the bigger the bigger twists with this character that they're doing for Gotham. I mean, he's uh, he's going to be Gordon's mentor in this, other than his uh, his beer. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, Harvey Harvey Bullock for me is always the animated series Harvey Bullock, right. and it's hard for me to uh, separate that voice from the character. So when I I'm picturing Donald Logue's voice in my head and almost like playing some of the lines that Harvey Bullock says in the animated show just doesn't quite match up for me. He's he doesn't he has kind of a unmanly voice. Not it's not real gruff and rough. Yeah. You know, maybe if you put a five o'clock shadow on him, give him the right haircut or costume, yeah, but then when he speaks it's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying it. Um it wouldn't have been my first casting decision. I think he's got the right look, at least. I mean, I could see your point with the voice, but I could see this this guy playing Bullock and being. Yeah, a, you're looking at pictures of him, yeah. but think of. But, the, I know what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, but oh, was he the the Santa Claus in that? It looks like some kind movie. of Santa Claus axe murdering movie. But Christian Christian Bale doesn't sound like Christian Bale when he's playing Batman either. He sounds like a moron. <laughs> Are you hoping that Donald Logue sounds like a moron? Is Harvey Harvey Bullock? I'm, is... I'm, well, I'm confident that Donald Logue can can be a really good live action Harvey Bullock. But you know, I think he could, could probably roughen up his voice for this role a little bit. I certainly don't expect to see the dad from Grounded for Life in the show. I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure he couldn't have been a Jim Gordon instead. He's too old for this time frame that they're going for. Maybe, maybe it could have been Jim Gordon in Superman, Batman, Justice League. Who the fuck knows what this movie is? Movie. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little, a little portlier though. A little bit, but hey, we've had some chubby Commissioner Gordons in the past. And not only that, I'd tell him, Yo, Donald Logue, you want to be in one of the biggest movies you've ever been in? The side of Patriot, the Patriot. I'm the Patriot games. <laughs> Finish this Domino's sandwich. (laughs) No, you're not allowed to finish this Domino's sandwich. If you want to be in this movie, you've got to put down that half of the sandwich. You can only eat half of that taco. Cut your diet in half. That's how they say to lose weight. Yeah. Well, somebody said that once. I think it was... Who the hell was it? He, He lost a shitload of weight. It was either... I think it was John Travolta. He said what he did... Because he like lost all kinds of weight for something. Of course, he gained it all back. Cause he's kind of fat now, but um, he said that he cut his diet completely in half. Anything they normally ate, just half of it. We're gonna listen to John Travolta. Wasn't he recently like sexually harassing his uh, masseurs, his male masseuses? Yeah, he gets handies from his masseurs all the time. So what? That means he can't lose weight. No, I'm just thinking. Likes a hand job from another guy. Can't lose. <laughs> I'm just. Weight. I'm just thinking. I don't know if we want to be taking advice from him. Sure but he do. didn't get caught for years and years and years. I'm sure he's been doing it since Saturday Night Fever. Oh, so. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm also pretty happy about Ben McKenzie being put in the lead role of James Gordon. Now is he the main character of the show? Yeah, I think it is going to focus on um, on Gordon and. Bruce is going to be kind of uh, ancillary. Okay, so so we're clear. This is the the GCPD TV show. 
That's where it's going. You know, the, the okay. main castings have been around those characters. See, now that's pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure if it's been clearly billed as that. And I think it should be because... I don't want to see... I don't even want Bruce Wayne to be in it. Like, what, he's irrelevant if he's ten years old. Right. But that's that's where... They're still putting it together. So, you know, when it was initially announced, it was announced as this is pretty much, you know, the Brubaker, Rucka, you know, Gotham cop mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. But then they shifted gears, and then they're like, well, it's going to be about young Bruce Wayne... But then they're like, well, you know, Ben McKenzie's the lead role in the show, so now we're back to focusing on Gotham. So until we see a trailer, or until more news about this comes out, I think it's still going to be up in the air of what is really going to be the lead for the show. Okay. I wish they would set this in the universe where Batman does exist, we just don't see him. Because it would have more opportunities to, t- to tell more stories, I think. Yeah. I agree, but he's going to be, what, 11 in this show? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but why? What's the point? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Just Batman's presence as, as a threat to the villains could make for a more interesting angle, other than, you know, it's just villainy as usual. And you can see the dynamic between Batman and the Gotham Police Department, yeah. where not everybody likes Batman. Yeah. So I think that would be interesting, seeing it from a side that you don't normally see well, it. With, know, the, with the success of Arrow and the way Arrow does things, it's really easy to just make that show starring Batman in Gotham with Batman's characters. And it it will do at least as well as Arrow does. Yeah, yeah but it's not going to have superheroes. Neither would Batman. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Batman... Oh, you're saying hypothetically if they did go that route and have Batman as a presence in that in that show? Maybe eventually they would, like Arrow's doing now. We're seeing more superpowers. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, th- I think you could do... You could do Batman... Well, Arrow is Batman, but with Green Arrow. They also announced uh, Robin Taylor as Oswald Cobblepot. Do you know that guy? Uh, th- he was a weirdo and accepted... That's all I know him from. Um, a thin penguin. Accepted the... Um, what's his the face? The Justin Long movie? Justin Long, yeah. He was, that was a good movie. That's well, an underrated movie. It was a good movie. Jonah Hill up in that piece. Blake right. Lively. What, what, what's Jonah Hill's bit in that movie? Ask me about my wiener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except it's one of those weird like Saturday afternoon TBS movies where if it's on, I'll always leave it on. Columbus Short. You know, Ginger was watching, I was working, you know, working on the strip or something, and she was just watching movies the other day, and every movie she had on had Justin Long in it. It's like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> like, Justin Long Marathon. Longathon. Coming from my, my OC background, watching all four seasons of the OC, starring Ben McKenzie, um, I'm pretty excited that He's going to be in something that I'm really excited to watch because he's been in. Um, he was in Southland. Southland, which I should have watched. Cop Show, Los Angeles. You like cop shows? Um, I can get into a good cop show. Do you like cops? No. Name a good cop like, show that you like. 
currently? Anytime, Lee. I was I loved CSI Miami. I liked it too. I've been a big fan of well, I guess it's not really a cop show, but C or Criminal Minds counts as a That's a cop show. You know, yeah, that's procedural fair. type show. I've always been in and in and out of that one. Uh Graceland on USA. Great show. Graceland has Aaron Tveit and Sarinda Swan, who played oh. Zatanna in Smallville. She also was on Breakout Kings. She was. Great work in the breast department. And eyebrow department as well. Mm-hmm. Eyebrows. That's where it's at, Matt. Okay. So, they're fast-tracking all. The pilot for Gotham, do you find any concern with them kind of slapping this together? Is this how pilots get put together this quickly? It feels very, very hasty. I think DC's TV slate overall is being very hasty. Because, they're you know, it was like all in one week. Like, there was a bunch of cat Flash casting, Gotham casting. They announced the Constantine show. They we were talking Arrow. about an Hour Man show. An Hour Man show? Hour Man. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, so, like, I'm, I think DC's kind of... I, I feel like they're in the ballpark that fans have been in where they're like, well, Marvel's winning the movie battle. So let's So we'll just focus on TV. Here. Yeah. It might be a smart move. I think this Gotham cast so far is good. I don't really know any of the other uh, cast besides Mackenzie and Logue. But I, I'm, I'm almost more okay with going and not knowing what an actor is capable of than going and knowing them. So, like, these... The the actors that are playing Sarah Essen and Gordon's potential wife, you know, they have a lot of room to grow on me and impress me. So, if it's on NBC, you know, I, sometimes... There's times I, I think... Thought it well, was, I thought it was Fox. no. Gotham is, isn't Fox? Gotham's NBC. So, like... Does that say something different there? No, like I, I... Gotham's NBC. No, I just I thought it was Fox for some reason. So, you know, part of me's happy that, you know, a DC show's gonna get the, like, financial and quality push from a big network like NBC. But at the same time, I'm afraid a big network like that's gonna want more of a hand in, in what goes on with it. And that always seems to be the problem with DC properties. Why can't they get their shit together with the films? Like, what? why are they conceding? Eh, we can't do movies. We'll just do TV. They have the... Well, they haven't totally said that they can't do movies. They're just saying, we're going to do everything in this one movie. And then we'll do a bunch of little uh, TV shows. But it is kind of funny how it's basically working out like that. Like, Marvel... Tried television, and they came up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, by all accounts, is not very good. But which has been really good the last couple episodes. Marvel said, you like the Avengers, right? Here's the world of the Avengers and everything that you might know around it, but we're going to place a bunch of characters that you don't really know in a world that you'll accept. Don't worry. You'll like it. Yeah, I I, I heard... um... The podcast I, I listened to, they said that uh, an, initially Coulson was going to be the vision, but then this first half 
of a season for Shield kind of went in the toilet, and they're like, let's, abort, let's, let's abort. not do that. Let's we'll just get Paul Bettany, and you know he'll be he'll be the Vision now. I've only honestly watched two episodes of Shield. They're all sitting on my DVR. The first two episodes. The first two. If you can stick with it up to the up to mid season, up to the winter break, and then then it really starts to pick up. And then if you really start to get less of a less of like a villain of the week type deal, and you feel more of the overarching story. It doesn't really feel like it takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but on its own merits, it starts to become a better show. It starts to find its legs. It's still not as good as Arrow, but solid. Solid stuff. Matt, you'd hate it. Just a feeling. Just a feeling. But there's there's not a whole lot that's going to get me interested enough to check it out. Now... If it had Star Wars in the title, then you may feel differently, correct? I may. There's another TV show called uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars that uh, I never watched when that was on. Well, Why them... didn't you watch that when it was on? Just like a timing thing? Because I feel like I always have a problem watching animated shows because they're on... They never seem to be on consistently, except Adventure Time, which is on every day... All the time, and Any, it's a new episode all the time. Anything that you're you have to find it on a kids network, I feel like you have to hunt for it. And like you said, it's inconsistent. Sometimes it's on; it'll take a break, then one episode will come back, and then it'll be yeah. canceled for the rest of the year. You know, if I give a crap about the show that much, I'm gonna find it. You know what I mean? Like, it, but it's a chore to matter. find it. Well, you know, I don't necessarily need to watch it when it's live. Okay, so I can yeah. wait. A day, a week, whatever, and I'll check it out whether they put it on on demand or if they put it, whether I have to get it through iTunes. It doesn't matter. If if I'm a big enough fan, I'm going to do it. That's the way I operated with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. I was getting them off iTunes a day or two after they would air. I guess I kind of lost steam on that because I quit doing it um, about halfway through season one. And I yet... I've yet to finish that season, but anyway, Clone Wars, I think I've watched uh, two and a half seasons of the Clone Wars, maybe not even that many, out of five, so I've gotten through about half of them, um, and speaking of the Clone Wars, we're going to shift into the new Star Wars Rebels show, but... We can keep on the Clone Wars, I have one thing to say about the Clone Wars. Yeah, go it was, for it. It was announced this week that the yeah. final season will air on Netflix along with the entire series and the feature film. So March uh, March 7th is whenever the Clone Wars will be, in its entirety, will be right. available on Netflix. Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. Are you guys going to pick that up? I'll probably finish off the... I'll probably watch the Clone Wars all the way through. Because I watched it sporadically, like I watched the whole season here, then I skipped a season or lost track of it, watched another couple episodes here and there. The only episodes that I skipped ahead for were the Darth Maul episodes. Yeah. And those were pretty good. I loved those episodes. Um, but I would like to go back and kind of get the full story going into it. And from what I understand, season five was just badass. Which... Was that the final season? That was the... Well... The final one that aired on... The final full season that aired. Uh, It was the Emmy Award-winning season. Um, By all 
accounts, it's the best season of the five. Um, it, it just it gradually picks up a more mature tone as the show goes along, um, and you know, putting Darth Maul back into the mix, and it seemed like they raised the stakes. the The action was a lot less lighthearted, and it just kind of flowed nicely into episode three, which also kind of follows that same trajectory. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good opportunity to get caught up on all of them. Now, uh, fast forwarding beyond episode three, in between episode three and episode four, there's a, there's a new show called Rebels coming out. Um, I've heard everything from they're going to have a, a, a movie premiere similar to what the Clone Wars did to kick off the series. Um, and they said anything anywhere in between this summer and this fall, they're going to kick it off with, I think, a one-hour episode or movie or whatever they call it. Um, and hopefully it'll be good. I think that the uh, the Clone Wars was a miserable kickoff for that series. I mean, I was down on that series after that movie. It was a theatrical release. It was awful. You, do you guys see it? I've seen it before. I wasn't thrilled with it. I've never seen that. That wasn't the... Because didn't... When Clone Wars started, wasn't it like a, just a bunch of 15-minute episodes? No. You're thinking of the, um, the the 2D animation style. I forget what the animator's name is. The guy's... Gadget Jack, Samurai, Samurai Jack. Jack. Okay. Okay. But was it not... It was named Clone Wars or something similar. I, I, Star Wars or Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a direct to theater production. It was literally three episodes that were Frankenstein together to be a feature. I don't think they realized they were making a movie when they were making it, but I think George Lucas decided this should be a theatrical release, and I think that hurt it because um, it kind of stumbled out of the gate, and then it took a long time to find its footing. Now the new show Rebels, I feel like. You know, a lot of the same people are affiliated with it. Um, uh, Dave Filoni is the executive creative whatever on it. I think he's like the lead creative mind on the show. Um, he was also the lead guy on The Clone Wars, and I feel like there's a lot of learning that took place. And it seems like also they're putting this in an era that a lot of somewhat jaded fans might prefer in between episodes 3 and 4 leaning closer to episode 4 I think it's about 4 or 5 years removed from episode 4 um, and it's going to feature they announced uh, some brand new characters um, well is, aren't they all brand new characters I mean no one's going to be recognizable in this except Stormtroopers uh, no actually it uh, looks like C-3PO and R2-D2 will be in it uh, I don't know how recurring they are. I don't know if they're part of the core group. Um, and well, it looks like that little junk robot is going to be part of the core group. <clears throat> core group. Yeah. So that leads me to believe three um, PO and R two may be guest stars. Yeah, possibly. And it also appears that um, looks like Darth Vader is going to be in it to some degree as well. So, you know, that begs the question: Are we going to see? Obi-Wan, are we going to see Yoda? Probably not, but... Looking at some of the voice actors, one Billy D. Williams is listed. As who? 
Lando. Hmm. Who's Tim of, Curry? The, the Emperor. Emperor. Huh. Can't go wrong with Tim Curry, ever. I would say that um, Sam Witwer voiced Darth Maul in the Clone Wars. I heard his Emperor impression recently, and nobody is as good as he is. He should be the Emperor in any incarnation if they cannot get Ian McDermott. He's that good. Well, Tim Curry's gonna do his own thing for sure. Yeah. I hope he just does the straight Tim Curry voice. I'll be excited for that. I hope he does Frankenfurter. <laughs> I hope he does uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert. <laughs> Spice! <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. <clears throat> So, so, brand new characters, yeah, so, familiar... Um, everybody's favorite, Freddie Prinze Jr., is going to be voicing the main character on this show. I love Freddie Prinze Jr. That's not ironic. I mean that with all of my heart. Freddie, super underrated TV show. Him and Brian Austin Green had better chemistry than I've seen in the majority of television best buddies. Great stuff, got canceled too soon. Well, let's hope that his new show isn't canceled too soon. He's going to play a uh, Jedi cowboy named Kanan. Named Kanan. Now, this is where I feel like the show is potentially making a misstep. Uh-oh. Because... They're ready, folks. Matt's saying something negative about Star Wars. They're they're setting up Kanan to be the hero of the show, and um, they're they're also making him a Jedi character. Now, I'm under the impression that he must have been like a a little Padawan when Order sixty six came down, because this is about fifteen years after that. Um. And he looks, that character looks to be what? Late 20s, early 30s? 25. 25? With the ponytail and the stallion. He clearly hasn't found his real style yet. Okay, he's so going he's, through some shit. So he's 25 years old. How old does that make him uh, oh boy. when Order 66 happens? 10 years old. So he was just a little kid. Maybe he didn't have full understanding of the Force, whatever. Um. Maybe he's not that great of a Jedi, or, well, technically, he probably wasn't a Jedi. He was just a Padawan. That was his highest rank. If he was even in the Academy <clears throat> at all. Right. Uh, and he certainly doesn't dress like a Jedi, and from what we understand, he's he'll just as soon use a gun as he would his lightsaber. Because he's a cowboy, baby. <laughs> he's a cowboy. Now... Personally, I feel like by having this character, and they've made the announcement that basically this core group are going to kind of kickstart the Rebel Alliance. Like, this is kind of the, the, the seed of the Rebel Alliance, um, what happens on this show. I don't know. That kind of, to me, somewhat dulls like what Yoda and Obi-Wan were responsible for doing by kind of hiding out until the time was right, then taking action, getting Luke ready, 
sharpening that weapon and sending it off to destroy the Empire. Yeah, but by the time they get Luke ready, the Alliance is well up and running. Luke kind of fell into Obi-Wan's lap, too. It wasn't like Obi-Wan kind of tracked him down. It just kind of was, you know, circumstance. You get get the sense that Obi-Wan has been watching Luke his entire life. Think... Yes. Have you ever seen A New Hope? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Are you, you're, you, okay, so you're not familiar with Star Wars. I'm totally familiar. I so just, when you watch I, A New Hope... I just don't know. It. Do, I don't think that they were planning behind the scenes quite as much as you guys are making it out. Oh, no, no. George... Well, yeah, initially when they made A New Hope, I think it's blatantly clear that Obi-Wan is keep... His, he's been around, like, because... You know, Owen says a couple lines, you know, a couple cryptic lines about, you know, old Ben. And, you know, they've clearly seen him around before. He's a personality they've seen. But he didn't make the jump to go and hunt him down and be like, all right, well, now's the time. Now's the correct time for us to to use this tool. But he kind of did because he doesn't introduce himself until he thinks Luke's at the age where he's ready to start learning the training. and Or when Luke came after him and got jumped by sand people and he had to save him. Luke doesn't go after him. Luke gets jumped and then Ben... He's look- then Ben, quote-unquote, stumbles across him. He stumbles across him because he's, out he's looking, looking out Because Luke's out looking for him to give him... to deliver the message. But Luke doesn't know where to find him. All he knows he's is that he's a crazy old wizard out in the desert. Luke's essentially looking for a needle in the haystack in the wastelands of Tatooine. Okay. I think he actually knew where Ben Kenobi lived. Uh, he wasn't looking for Ben Kenobi, though. He was looking for R2-D2. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Ben's keeping an eye on Luke. Maybe he felt it through the Force. Who knows? Some sand people show up, fuck up Luke's day. Obi-Wan has to come to the rescue and do his best Michael Winslow impression to scare them off. And then he... Takes him back to his house. So you don't think Obi-Wan in A New Hope is plotting behind the scenes? No. You think he's like, oh, fuck, this kid in his droids just got jumped. I better help out. And then he gets there I and he's like, he has a oh, hand. shit, I don't think Luke he, Skywalker. I don't think he has a real active hand in, in the Alliance. I, I don't think I don't that. think he has an active hand in the Alliance either. Well, that's, but what he's I was, got, that's what I was saying. But he's got Luke plans. Okay. But I don't think that he's... Plotting out anything, any kind no. of attack on the Death no, Star, I don't, or anything I don't think like he's, that. I don't think he's in constant contact with Mon Mothra, Mon Mothra, and General Nadine, putting all that shit together. Which is what these characters and Rebels well, but are I do kind of the foundation of of that. Of, but I do think Obi Wan on Tatooine, he's like, all right, the rebellion's going. This is good. They're doing that stuff over there. When things get to a certain point, I'm going to jump the. Jedi's last hope in their lap and I'm just gonna let them let them do their thing. Okay. Who's with me? Um, I'm, I'm with you. Well, I think he was planning on training Luke. He right. was gonna be Luke's master. Right. Uh, now, he was actually gonna get much more involved in the Rebel Alliance before everything went to hell because in the beginning of A New Hope, Princess Leia is specifically... The reason why they're over Tatooine, she is going to Tatooine to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, that's not, like, a coincidence. So, 
he was about to get involved at that point. He was probably somewhat waiting for when the time was right, I would assume. I My assumption is... The loop plan and the alliance plans were dovetailing together yes. at the beginning of that movie. Yes. The movie that Ian has apparently never seen. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it a handful of times. <clears throat> I wouldn't want to take anything away from Obi-Wan Kenobi's contribution to the Rebels. So, I don't know... I don't know what to make of, of these new Jedi characters. I liked the idea that, that, that Luke Skywalker, well, particularly Obi-Wan and, and Yoda... Were the two last Jedi in the galaxy? Yeah, I guess some people could have got missed by Darth Vader. I mean, they even specify that Darth Vader goes off and kills Jedi Knights. So maybe this new character, Kanan, and his little buddy—what's his buddy's name? Ezra. Ezra. Ezra, who also looks like he's got some Force abilities, and from what the show creators are saying, he doesn't really even know what the Force is. But he is sensitive to it, and he can do some things. Ezra? Yeah. Uh, but um, maybe these characters will all bite it by the end of the show, whenever that is. Uh, which I would probably prefer. I don't necessarily want these characters out there. Because in the Disney theater. XD is known for killing characters. <laughs> Based on the promo, it, it certainly doesn't have a traditional Disney... TV show quality to it. Maybe maybe they're gonna go ahead and be a little edgier than, than you would expect. Um, you think they would kill characters on Disney XD? Really? I don't know. I mean, these characters have to have some kind of conclusion because they're, they're not a factor in... I mean, the show's called Rebels, and yet these characters had nothing to do with the most significant... Not Rebel. until they go back and add them in the background. No, 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 you're forgetting. George Lucas does not own this anymore. Disney might take it upon Disney itself. Disney doesn't want to do that either. Disney is very much about forging ahead based on the OT, the original trilogy. <laughs> so, and they're nearly getting it right here. But you know what would make this show great? Is if it featured characters that we knew and liked. Take it into the future. Put Luke in this thing. Put Han Solo in this thing. Those are characters that I like. Those well, are, that would that's be who a I completely wanna... different show. I mean, this is... Yeah. What are you saying? So take it into the future, what, in between four and five, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it feels like... Or between six and seven. It feels... That kind of makes sense. Why did they not do that? Because there is a freaking yeah. huge gap. 30 years, we don't know what the hell happened. We don't know they're not going to do that at some point. They probably will mine that 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 time period, but I feel like going into episode 7, it would make sense to touch on that yeah. now to kind of fill in some, some gaps. You have the property of Star Wars. They give you the world, the environment, the universe, all the things that are familiar to Star Wars, except for the things like the iconic characters that we know and love. If you don't want to have a young, if they're not going to recast Luke, Leia, Han, 
then why not have a CG version of them around, like you guys said, to seamlessly kind of go into these new movies to get younger fans who maybe are not so familiar with the original trilogy into a CG version of Luke Skywalker, and you can build that base. Um, That's where I'd rather see the show go. I'd rather see the show be the Han and Lando story than based around a bunch of brand new characters that... I the, I have to get invested in They have some of the most beloved characters in all of pop culture, all of sci-fi, all of movie <clears throat> history, and they choose not to use them. And I don't know why they're so restrained at not use it. Give me Luke Skywalker. I love him. Well, they're going to use those characters in the actual live-action episode 7. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be, like... If I was doing Rebels, it would be... Your main characters would be Han Solo and Lando Calrissian. Right, right, right. In Episode 7, they're going to be relegated to supporting characters, and then maybe not even in those movies by the time you get to Episode 8. Possibly, but I don't think... From all accounts, they're not going to be supporting characters. Maybe Lando is, but, you know, Lando always was. So, I think... Particularly Luke Skywalker, he's probably going to be the main character of Episode Seven. I I think that if anybody wants to bet me on that, I would I would take that bet. Yeah, the, like there's no there's no pre A New Hope story to mine with Luke Skywalker, but there is with Han and Lando. Like you get a sense in Empire Strikes Back of all this history between those guys, and this would be a great setup to do that in. Well, let's hope that they do. That they do explore those those backstories because they hint at it. There's some really awesome stuff, and <clears throat> characters like um, like Han and Lando and guys like that that makes perfect sense because I don't feel like those characters um, their their cores are kind of um, cemented in their mystery. You know, I think it would be fun to learn about that. Whereas, like, characters like Boba Fett, that needs to stay mysterious. We don't want to know that. You know, a lot of people would say, maybe that's what hurt Darth Vader. I wouldn't say that, but I get the argument. The problem with mining Han and Lando in this type of show is that it can't be... It can't be PG-13. Like, the Han and Lando story I want to see is, like, I want to see Lando, like, busting in on Han with Lando's girl. Yeah, there there can be no cantina drunken night hijinks. Right. In, <laughs> right. in Disney XD. <laughs> That's what I want to see. How they get out of that kind of mischief. But Lando's in the... Uh, Billy D. Williams is, is part of the cast, so I guess we are going to see... Lando at some point the battle of Tanab. Right? I guess Remember so. his little maneuver? I've never watched these movies, so I don't know. <laughs> so I I am optimistic about Freddie Prince Jr. being involved and kind of voicing the main character of the show. And FPJ. And the reason why is because from what I understand, he is just as big a Star Wars geek as I am. 
and uh, I know that he always wished he could have been Luke Skywalker the way I always wished I could have been. And <clears throat> I feel like he'll bring everything that he has to this to make it as good as he can. Um, so I, I personally don't think he's the greatest actor ever, but I think voice doing a voice over for it suits him maybe a little bit better. He has a really good voice, so... I think he's got a really good face. From what I've seen of, of the trailers, it looks good. I like the, the look of it. Um, it. It's got a lot of classic Star Wars in it. It's got the, the classic music. It's got TIE Fighters and the original sound effects. But it, it has suspect characters, and that's where it's, that's where it's hanging me up. Agreed. The the introduction of the Inquisitor, who is essentially Darth Vader, like that's from the original trilogy. Like that's how they describe this character. That's what I expected Darth Vader has been doing all this time in service of the Empire. Exactly, he's the only Sith with a lightsaber. Him, well, him and the Emperor. Um, like I was explaining to you earlier, Paul, the Inquisitor to me feels like he was put in a, a Sith. A random Sith generator, and that's what it spit out. All these different things that go together to make this evil character. Do you like Darth Maul, kids? <clears throat> yeah. Do you like Asajj Ventress, kids? Yeah. Then you're gonna love the Inquisitor. Do you like Darth Vader? Yeah. <laughs> yep. There you go. That's that's who the Inquisitor is. Yeah. Hopefully, there's something more to him than just the visual. Maybe the way that he acts. It's gonna. You know, differentiate him. Um, hopefully, there will be some kind of explanation. They're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I get why this isn't Darth Vader." The um, um, the whole third Sith thing just, I it, it it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me when and when a new hope starts. Like, I always had the sense that Darth Vader is so frightening and imposing because he's the only person out there that has a lightsaber, that can use the Force. All the Jedis have been dead for years. The only two remaining Jedi have been in hiding. It's an old religion. Like, no one even believes in it anymore, except Darth Vader, who is the most terrifying person in the galaxy. It takes the uniqueness away from Darth Vader. If there's another guy running around in a similar costume with a similar weapon... And then they set the two Sith rule up in the prequels, and they they clearly don't even, they don't ever try to follow it. It's just another case of writing yourself in the corner when you didn't need to. You didn't need to put a number cap on Sith. You just didn't. You know who's a beloved Star Wars character? Darth Vader. You know who people are going to tune into a show to watch? Darth Vader. So, Matt, like you said, I hope there's a real reason that this new character is in there. A good story reason other than... We need to sell action figures mm -hmm. because, like, so far, I I can't I can't find a reason why that isn't Darth Vader. No, however, we don't really know much, right? So, I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to make sense because a lot of the imagery that we've already seen from it that they've already released has a darker edge to it than what we're used to seeing out of like the Clone Wars and the prequel era for the most part. And um, I think it's taking a lot of us kind of like back home again, which is pretty exciting. So let's hope that it all makes sense. But it's it's taking us 
to the it's like taking us to the neighborhood, but it's not taking us to our house. Well, it's getting us in the general what area. Seven will do for you. Yeah, and it's like here's the park that you guys used to play with, and here's a bunch of your friends. These aren't my friends. <laughs> this mean, guy looks like Han Solo, but he has a lightsaber. Yeah, and this guy's kind of like Matt, but he's just not. Doesn't have the same edge to him. Where are his tattoos? <laughs> he's got a ponytail instead of two and sleeves. A, <laughs> and a stallion. <laughs> ah. So yeah, they, they give you just enough. They give you a little taste. They're like, yeah, it's Star Wars. But they, there's so much that they change up. They could just give you the characters that you know and love. Right. And, Not and saying I, this is going to be bad. In fact, some parts of it look good. I, I'm definitely going to tune in. Yeah. I just wish I just wish it was Luke instead of Ezra. I hear you. Um, I haven't heard anything about Ezra up until tonight. We're probably going to see Wedge Antilles at some point in the show. So that, I hope so anyway. So that at least gets me excited a little. And Biggs? Might we see Biggs? Maybe. I don't know. What I'm wondering is how impactful are these characters going to be on the overall Star Wars saga? Like, are we going to, are these, maybe some of these characters will live beyond before episode four. Maybe some will show up in... Maybe Freddie Prince Jr., the real actor, will reprise his role as Kanan in Episode 7. How do we feel about the term Cowboy Jedi? Because I don't know if that sits well with me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Matt and I I last week were discussing Kanan's look. You guys were talking without me? He's got... He's got a ponytail, he's just got the patch of hair on his chin, and he feels like, he, he, he doesn't feel like a Jedi to me so much as he does the singer of Stained. Like, he feels like mid-90s band singer. Yeah. And it's, 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 too, it's too earthen for me. It feels too familiar. It doesn't feel like he's alien enough. Even Han Solo, with his... His light mutton chops and his 70s haircut felt like this is clearly a character from another planet. But this guy, this guy feels like he was born in 1995. <laughs> or he reached his prime in 1995. Maybe he graduated high school and was listening to Candlebox whenever he took control of the ghost. You should love this dude then. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like him. It's general self-loathing. He reminds me of me in '95. I'm looking at him right now. He's kind of—he kind of looks like he's telling me that he banged my girlfriend. <laughs> that's what I'm get, picking up from Kanan. No, he didn't. That's what he's saying. Yeehaw. <laughs> so, Star Wars Rebels. When I, is this to um, come out? This fall. This fall. Yeah. Now the. Maybe there will be the one-hour feature on the Disney Channel that they're talking about in the summertime. And then, you know, a little bit of a hiatus, and then the series picks up in the fall. We'll see. Um, that that one-hour movie premiere might actually just happen in the fall. Uh, one other little tidbit that I noticed um, in the action figures that they've been showing, because the Toy Fair in New York's going on right now... Uh, Ezra also has a lightsaber, which I don't really get. Why does he have a lightsaber? Not only that. Where did he get it? Yeah, where did he get it? And why does it look weird? It it, it has like a like a handguard to it. It almost looks like a part gun. 
Um, I don't get it. And and then obviously the Inquisitor has a very peculiar lightsaber with like a rounded circle that goes around the hilt on his double bladed. It kind of looks like he put the, he combined a double edged lightsaber with a skip it and is just like twirling <laughs> it around. So they're very inventive there. I can't find this lightsaber that Ezra has though. And the, and, and oh, I see it. Another now. character. Having a lightsaber is another problem that I have with this show. Like I like the the uniqueness when you get into a new hope of like no one has this shit. There's only right. you know Darth Vader has one, and then Obi Wan pulls one out of out of storage that no one's seen in years, and you're like, holy shit! He blows the dust off and yeah. like, hope this still works, kid. Like, Actually, you don't even see Darth Vader's until well after Obi Wan has come out with his. Yeah, and it's it's this weapon that it's so unique, and like you have to have like certain training. And, but now it's and like Han you, know, you can run laughing down, at it, like what the yeah. Now is this you can shit? run down to Seven Eleven, and anyone can have a lightsaber. <laughs> so now they also said on this show before we knew anything other than maybe the name of it. You know, all the show creators were saying, this is going to have a very different look than the Clone Wars. That's bullshit. This has the exact same look as Clone Wars. Yeah, it, it's pretty close. I mean, like, the character design... Not mm-hmm. the design so much as kind of the... the. What am I trying to say? Like, the, the modeling of, like, the characters. The, like, the texture? Yeah, of like, they have, look at, yeah. they have, like, the same distinct semi-blocky kind of feel to them yeah. which I like and I have no problem with it but why did they try to tell us that it was going to be distinctly different when if it is it is so subtle that to most untrained eyes I don't think we can tell there's a there's a late 90s band that I that's in my head every time I see Kanan but I can't think of the name of it it's like the creators of Star Wars Rebels also think that they can Jedi mind trick people, so they just try everything. They're I like, think, it is different than I think the Clone Creed. Wars. I think I'm thinking of Scott Stapp and Creed. Oh yeah, well, he does. He, see this guy. Yeah, he I'm totally looks thing. like Scott Stapp. Here's or, a, or Ezra, Kanan. Uh, Here's a minor gripe. So far, looking at Rebels images, and this is this is tiny. I mean, this is fucking nitpicking. The weird high mouth on the stormtrooper helmets. The Stormtrooper helmet in costume may be the perfect design. It's so fucking cool. But for this show, they tweak it a little bit. They raise the mouth. They change some of the proportions on the helmet. Wow, that's nitpicky as shit. I, I see know, what you're but saying. It, but I can't... But every time I look at it, look in the look up look up a couple of the action like, figure is the, images, and is it's the, way more pronounced. The neck roll is a little more dominant or prominent as well? It's just one of those little things that I'm like, well, why do they need to go in and yeah. mess with that? It's a standard look. I understand they, you know, things are going to have their own, they're going to be stylized in their own way for these shows. But the Stormtrooper helmet <clears throat> can just, you know, let it go. Maybe tweak the tweak the body a little bit. This guy looked like he started the Rebel Alliance. Scott Stapp! Leader of the Rebel Alliance. I hope that's who they get to to play Kanan in episode 7. Maybe the helmet hasn't quite evolved to where it ends up in A New Hope yet. Maybe. Maybe. Because based on episode 2, episode you know what, 3... You know what that sounds like to me, Matt? 
That sounds like fanboy rationalization. And we've done too much of that over these movies. With arms wide open. You're... That's what I want, the title card. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I guess that was fanboy rationalization. However, what you're basically saying is you have a problem with the way that the design is artistically, but do you have a problem with the way that they treat the hair as in like big chunks that look like Play-Doh on their head? Because that's not really the way hair looks. No, but that's how animated hair is going to look. So it's a stylization. Yeah, and that's thing. that's what I said. I gave right. the conceit to, you know, this show is going to have a particular style, just like Ninja Turtles has its own style. Right, right. But I don't think they needed to mess with the Stormtrooper helmet. I think that would have fit right in with the rest of the show without, without tweaking it. Hmm. Perhaps. No, just... Just one of those things. You know, why Why couldn't John Blake be Dick Grayson? Why ask why? You know, it's one of those one of those things. Would you really have wanted that character to be Dick Grayson? I would have been okay with it. I, I really would have been. The more I've seen that movie, the more I hate the John Blake character. I've only seen it two times through. Um, I mean... The first time I watched it, I was upset because there wasn't enough Batman in a Batman movie. Yeah. The second time, I just focused on when he was on screen, and I rolled with I rolled with a lot of of the things that were happening. I'll have to watch it again. I didn't have a huge problem with John Blake as a character, but with that being said, I was not a huge John Blake fan. First time, and I was even less of a fan the second time. Yeah, I... <clears throat> John Blake never... Never so well, just because he could have so easily been one of the... one of the already created Robins. Yeah, they kind of let him be a bit of a... a mishmash of, um... Really, all, all the a Robins. A mishmash of all of them, but none of them at the same time. That's, yeah. Well done, Chris Nolan. Well, well done. So, um, Ian, you been reading anything lately? I read Ms. Marvel. Beyond that, beyond that. She-Hulk. Um, I read X-Men a couple of weeks ago. Um, haven't really been reading a lot of things. How about yourself, Matt? Have you been reading anything? Yeah, I, I started reading... Brian Michael Bendis' run on Daredevil. I warned you not to get that, and you didn't listen to me. I didn't. I reached out to these guys on Friday, and I said, Hey, Comixology's running a, a Bendis Daredevil sale right now. 99 cents an issue, 53 issues worth. And Ian politely responded, I don't know, man, you're not a huge Bendis guy. Just trying to you, save you a buck. You might want to hold off on it. And I took that into account. But those sales end at 11 p.m. on the dot, and it was probably gonna make your move. It was probably about 10:30, and I was like, "Fuck!" I said I was gonna read the first one. If it grabbed me, I was gonna just do it, go for it. 
Well, I felt like I didn't have enough time. I was starting to feel frantic, and I just said, fuck it, I'm doing it. I had been wanting to get this anyway. I wanted to check it out. How often is this particular run going to be on sale? I've never seen it on sale on here. So I did it. I bought, I bought all 52, 53 issues for 99 cents, and so far I've read five of them, and it's quite good. Uh, Alex Maleev's art, boy, does that take some getting used to if you're not a fan. But um, don't I know it? The nature of the story, so far, isn't so much Bendis Avengers as it is a much smaller, more intimate kind of thing, and it works so much better than than I would have expected it to. So, on the surface, it's pretty, but. Once you get into it, it's not... I mean, you know, would it have been a better comic book if Ron Garney was drawing it? Yes, of course, but... What wouldn't? Todd McFarlane joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also against dropping 53 bones on the entire Dare, Daredevil run, but for a buck a piece. It's a hard deal to hard deal to pass up. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. Um, it, it definitely has lived up to its billing as being kind of a crime drama kind of thing with you know tights. Um, this has the potential to be maybe the best Daredevil that I've read. Um, I certainly like where it's going so far. I enjoyed it. I purchased it on Comixology. A while ago and read through it. I, I really enjoyed it. I like Bendis' work. I like Alex Maleev. So it was something that fit into what I was looking for. I'm surprised that you liked it, but I'm happy that you uh, found something well, to enjoy. I know that I rag on Bendis a lot because I think Bendis is very full of himself. And um, I think he's gotten more and more arrogant with his success. But I actually used to be a huge Bendis fan. I started out as a big Bendis fan when he was writing Powers. And when he wrote Sam and Twitch for McFarlane, the Spawn spinoff. And I loved that gritty, crimey kind of storyline, but yet the really, for the most part, believable dialogue. Um, it just particularly with Powers, the, the payoff just never was there. Yeah. Um, but he kind of lost me when he got on books like um, Avengers and X-Men. I just, I don't feel like that's where his he's at his best. I think he's at his best with the smaller, more intimate stories and let the characters just kind of do their thing. Like, even though it's a big superhero drama with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, he really let those characters kind of like steer the ship whereas like in Avengers that's all plot stuff that's really like plot driven storytelling which I'm not a fan of ensemble cast just not his forte uh, no I wouldn't say that yeah. I would say uh, actually that distinction the when he lets the plot dictate the story as opposed to the characters because he's able to really breathe life into the characters with that dialogue um I feel like that's when he's at his best when he's doing that. When the plot takes over, 
I'm not really that interested, especially in those big plots. The more, you know, like the the world encompassing space sci-fi kind of stuff. That Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Uh, did he write Siege? I think he did. Yeah, and I think I he did as well. And I Siege. I only made it halfway through Siege. That was only was four like, issues, too. Yeah, I was like, eh. I have them all on my iPad. I just never read them. So. Don't. No? Even though they're sitting right on there? No. Read me. Come read me. No, no just do skip it. it. Okay. Unless you want to bitch about it next week. I like to bitch you about it. You can come things. back Maybe. and be like, yeah, it was not Maybe. good. Maybe. Paul, did you read anything over the last couple weeks? Um, yeah, I read the latest Batman issue, Batman number 28. How is it? It was garbage. Um, it takes a break from the Zero Year story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like saying that it was garbage because Dustin the Wind, Dustin Wind does the art. And I love his art. I, I love his style. He does that um, Batman Little Gotham. Mm. But he's so good. He needs to be on. He needs to be on a big boy book. Don't relegate. I know Little Gotham's cute. They're cute little characters. But he needs to be on a big boy book. So they put him on this issue of Batman. And the only thing I liked about it was the artwork. I hated the story. I hated the characters. And it's written by Scott Snyder. I guess Scott Snyder and James Tinian. Um, and it takes place a year into the future from present-day DCU. So, Forever Evil finishes, all the fallout happens, and then a year later is when this issue takes place. And I guess Catwoman is in charge of all the crime families in Gotham at this point. Um, Batman and his new sidekick, Bluebird, who is Harper Rowe, are out Didn't running see the streets. That yeah, who no, no one could, could have told you that was coming from her first appearance. There's some chick running the Batcave now, and um, they also introduced Stephanie Brown as the spoiler, who I guess is going to be the lead character through Batman Eternal, which is even less incentive to pick up that weekly book. So, the future of the Batman universe, they're doing the same thing they did late 90s, early 2000s, where too many fucking characters, there are too many people in this fucking universe. Too many people involved in the Bat family. Is that because there are too many creators? Uh, Scott Snyder's heading a lot of this stuff up. He's only doing Batman. Isn't he kind of... Is he not doing... Who's writing uh, Batman Eternal? Uh, he's... I think he's overseeing it, but there's a handful of different artists, or a handful of different writers that are going to be involved in it. But that's not where they're introducing characters at. All through... Since the introduction of the new 52, they've just been new character here, new character there, all these new characters. And that's it's not the Batman that I like. Mm-hmm. I like a small <clears throat> Bat family. Uh, I don't think Jason Todd should have been brought back when they reintroduced the new 52. They could have easily wiped him out. Um, Damien never needed to exist. Uh, it's. I've need, pro- I know fans and fangirls love Stephanie Brown. She's a girl. She's Batgirl. Uh, too many characters. She's unnecessary. You already you brought Barbara Gordon back. Fine. You don't need another Batgirl. Actually, that's now, essentially who. Now they have three. Batgirl. With Blue Barbara Blue Gordon coming back as Batgirl couldn't have been more unnecessary. And I've voiced it here before, but. Holy yeah. shit, I fucking hate that. So Batman 28 was supposed to be a little tease into the future of what's to come for Batman. And if that's the future, I'm going to kill myself right now. Because <laughs> I want no part of it. And after Zero Year, there's a good chance I'm going to drop that book. If that's what it's going to be. 
even though you have an award-winning team of Snyder and Capullo on it, that's not the Batman story I want to read. So thanks for giving me a heads up, Scott Snyder. Um, now I know what I'm going to be dropping when Zero Year's over. Wait, are you saying that Capullo's off the book after Zero Year? No, I think he's going to stay on it. But if, if him and Snyder are still doing this book, mm-hmm. but it's this future Batman story that mm-hmm. they're telling, like, you put Jeff Johns and Gary Frank on it, I'm not going to want to get it. I mean, I would if it was those guys. But I wouldn't want to. <laughs> so that, that's what I read. It, it was really disappointing, because Batman's been so good, but this is just... Not feeling it. So now you have, in the Batman universe, you have Harper Row, Batgirl, Batwoman, and spoiler. What are all these characters? From, aside from Harper Row being gay. And. I don't know. Aside from, aside from Harper Row being gay. Well, and she, that doesn't even make her individual, because fucking Kate Kane or Kathy Kane is gay. So, like, now we have four. Of the same character. Come on. Come on, DC. I know you want to placate the ladies out there and have some more ladies in the books, but now you're just creating redundancies. Pull the shit back. You're fucking burying this book. That's it. Who's, who's writing Detective currently? I'm not sure. I don't get it. Is it Greg Horowitz still? No, he's writing Dark Knight. Is it James Tinney in the fourth writing Detective? It's the guy that that was writing Chew, but I thought it was getting somebody new. I don't know. I've never... uh, I haven't bought a new 52 issue of Detective. Well, we're going to find out for next week, folks. And we'll let you know. Because it's taking Ian... John Lehman. John Lehman. He's going to be part of that. It's taking Ian the appropriate amount of time to pull it up in (laughs) Comixology, you fucks. Wait, I didn't say anything. Why why are we both fucks? He's a fuck. You you singular fuck. fuck. You're like my dad. Whenever me and my brother would get in trouble, like, we both got yelled at. Whenever one of us would be a little shit. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Drop us a line on Twitter, on Facebook on iTunes if you want to leave a review. Let us know you're out there. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. Good night. Where's that? Fags, 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 Fags